How are we doing on this great Wednesday afternoon? My name is Hayden Joyner, and this is Off the Bench, your top sports talk show here on XLR, Land University Radio. I'm joined with co-hosts Chris Fortenberry and Liam Worley. Guys, how's it going tonight? It's going good. Good, man. How are you? I, you know, after the past weekend I had with sports, I probably could be better, and uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, um, it's very spooky in here right now. we got the Halloween decorations up for uh, an XLR, 31 days of Halloween celebrating this month in the radio station, so... You'll probably see on the video clips we'll put on social media that uh, it looks very, very spooky in here. Spooktacular, mm-hmm. even, enjoying, I would say. Y'all enjoying the ambience? I, I do. Am. I like it. A yeah. little bit, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So this past weekend, a lot we a lot to unpack, honestly, this past weekend. College football we're going to start out with, obviously. And uh, I feel like, at least for me and Chris, we both have some things to rant about. Liam can maybe rant about Harson maybe getting fired potentially soon, but we can save that for another time, maybe. We shall. But uh, <laughs> definitely newsworthy for all of us. And I'll, and I'll start with me, because we, we previewed this, this game last week, and... It came to fruition this past week. Number 14, Old Miss, defeating number 7, Kentucky, 22-19 to 19, uh, in Old Miss. And uh, with it, Old Miss jumps number 9 in the AP standings, and Kentucky falls to number 13. It was, I mean, I watched this game, and I have to say, of for being a Kentucky fan and going through, you know, the awful times in, like, the early 2000s and 2010s, before the Mark Stoops era, and before we actually were, were decent at football, this is probably the most heartbreaking loss I've experienced that I can remember. And it's not because, you know, we didn't lose on a game-winning play. I mean, technically we kind of did. But we didn't really lose in like a, like a Hail Mary. It wasn't a big playoff game which or bowl game or anything like that. It was just the potential that was laid in front of us that could have been that could have happened if we won this game was just squashed with stupid mistakes, kicking ourselves in the foot and turnovers. And it's a game that, honestly, I think Kentucky could have won by 10 points at least if you if you play all the cards right. Um Will Levis, four, or 18 of 24, 220 yards, two touchdowns, but more importantly, lost two fumbles, three total possessions lost by Kentucky in the fourth quarter inside Old Miss territory. Did y'all watch this game? How did, how, from an outside perspective, how, do you, how did y'all feel about this before I go on to a, a little rant about how Kentucky can just screw themselves? I didn't watch all of this game, but I did watch the part where they turned the ball over three times in the fourth quarter, which is never a good thing, uh, which, you know, I uh, saw that from some other teams this weekend as well, which is never good, no matter uh, what you're looking at. Just from a point of good football, that is not it. So uh, it was very unfortunate uh, what was happening to Kentucky. I honestly thought they were going to pull away with it at one point because yeah. they just seemed to have a lot more momentum throughout the game than Ole Miss did, but that was, uh, that was never the case. Yeah, I watched the majority of the game, actually. I was yeah. I was interested. I, You know, we talked about it uh, in the prior show, and I thought, you know, this is going to be an exciting game that I wanted to watch. So I tuned in, and, you know, I saw good things from Kentucky. You know, when they were moving the ball, they looked good. But, you know, the, the costly turnovers, of course, killed y'all. But I will say, the one turnover where Levis fumbled when he was going, he was running for yeah, the first down, yeah. Yeah, they definitely should have ruled targeting on that play. Okay. That was a, a, a definite helmet to helmet tackle made by Ole Miss, and I'm I'm honestly shocked it didn't get reviewed. I mean, if you just sit up there and look at the jumbotron, mm-hmm. you'll see that helmet to helmet contact all day, every day. Yeah, I and agree with that 100. That's to me that was the reason he fumbled, probably because yeah. he got a little disoriented when it happened. But I, I mean, don't know. Watching, I mean, I was going to bring that up to to question you guys about it, but yeah, watching the play, you kind of. You know, it's a bang-bang play. He, he goes for the first down, which is something he's always going to do that. He's always going to make that extra effort to, to make the play. And he goes for that for the first down. He gets past it, kind of reaches his hands out, and he gets just, like, knocked twice. And that second hit came in the head, and that's what kind of jarred the ball loose and made the turnover for Kentucky. 
I was surprised they didn't review it. I mean, not even like a thought. It seemed like in the minds of, of yeah. the officials. Uh, I mean, it was it was helmet to helmet, which in itself should have warranted at least a, a look. I don't know if, if it was really you know intentional. If you could have argued that, but definitely I think it warranted a look. And the fact that they didn't kind of said a lot about. I don't know. I just thought the way the game was played. I don't know. It just didn't seem to be on Kentucky's side. You know, it just wasn't wasn't in our favor that game. No, yeah. it was definitely. You could tell bad luck for Kentucky, especially when your starting tackle, your best tackle, gets taken out on yeah. the drive. And then, of course, the guy who takes in his, his takes his place is a freshman, and they line him up with the Ole Miss's best pass rusher, and he gets beat on that you know final play where mm-hmm. he gets stripped for the fumble. But it's kind of unfortunate, you know. I mean, Kentucky truly gave the game away with the. You know, miscues in the special teams, the safety, it just, you know, just didn't go y'all's way, and it, you know, that happens. I mean, yeah, you add on top of the safety. I mean, Kentucky on that final drive, you're you're down three points. You're going in to potentially score to score a go-ahead touchdown. I mean, a field goal is going to be nice at least. Overtime gives you a shot, and at the start of that drive, you know, under two minutes left, no timeouts, I believe, maybe one timeout. I can't remember how many we had at that time. And going down there, you know, huge play by Barry on Brown uh, to get us down to the red zone and then having those shots. I was I was with my dad watching the game and I was literally yelling at the screen, "Don't do anything stupid!" And first play, you know, we we take the shotgun and we just throw a lob right into the left side of the end zone and get the touchdown catch, but uh, overruled by a what was it a illegal formation penalty mm-hmm. or something like that? Yep. Pre snap penalty just screwed us. And then next play, I mean, I'm also still yelling at the screen, "Don't do anything stupid!" Because you're in field goal range. Yes, Mark Ruffalo has been you know pretty shaky on the kicks today, but yeah. I was- that's what my point yeah. I was going to bring up is can you put enough faith in him to get a game-winning field goal? Yeah. I mean, I mean he, he's been with Kentucky forever. He's probably like I think 30 at this point. He's been <laughs> on that team for so long. And he's made huge kicks for us in the past. I wouldn't expect him to just keep missing field goals. I mean, you, you, get, you put the ball on his foot, he's going to make something eventually. And at that distance, I mean, it was, you're probably looking at a 30-something yard field goal from where we were on the field if we couldn't gain any more yardage or we didn't lose any more yardage just from that static position. But a 30-yard field goal, I'd expect him to make that. Um, so I was just like, don't do anything stupid. There was only like maybe 30 seconds left in the game. You know, don't need to run a stupid play. What, do a run up the middle and waste all our time off the clock. Just get something in the end zone, which is what happened with the first play. That was that was a perfect example. You throw it to where either your guy catches it or he drops it and you live to find another down. Well, and that was y'all's problem. Y'all were out of timeouts at this exactly. point, too. So that's why, like, your only option is to throw it into the end zone. Yeah. Levis held the ball too long on that second down or first down if they replayed it. I can't remember. But he held the ball too long, and that's I mean that's what I talked about last week with you guys. He holds the ball too long. There's some issues in that backfield. The pass rush gets gets to us, and like Chris said, it eventually uh, led to to the strip sack and Ole Miss recovered, and, and and the game was over. I mean, for Ole Miss fans, I'm sure that was the greatest moment you could ever see, and their coaches certainly agreed because they had their their shirts pulled up, bellies in front of the camera, celebrating up in the in the booth, and that was funny. That, yeah. I mean, yeah, highlight of the game for sure. But for Kentucky fans, I mean, you get the big play by Barry on Brown. You're guaranteed almost an, an overtime shot at the bare minimum, and you come away with nothing. And that's th- that was the third time that quarter that we came away with nothing in the red zone practically, and uh, and shut the game down. So just just ultra disappointing. Obviously, we fell in the poll with a win. We were number seven, highest ranking we've had um, <laughs> since I've been alive, and their potential was there to go up a little bit too, depending on how Clemson played oh, or, or USC yep. played later that night. Well, I so. mean, just you beating a ranked team at home. For you know, Ole Miss, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, resume builder there for so, sure. Yeah, and for you guys, I mean, we were talking earlier. I mean, last week, I I was saying this is going to be a close game. If we would win, y'all were trying to reassure me that Kentucky was going to 
not dominate this game, but you know, y'all had like surefire faith. In I don't them. think Liam was. My I think guess, I was. Yeah, my guess was Ole Miss twenty four twenty, and I'm pretty yeah. pleased with that prediction. Yeah. I mean, Ole was spot on. You yeah. were three total points off, Chris. Yeah. You were trying to convince me that Kentucky was gonna. I mean, I I wanted to believe you really badly. Well, I mean, let's let's be honest. Y'all do everything you're supposed to do. You win that game handily. If you do everything we're supposed to do, so no safety, five extra points. That would make it twenty to twenty four. Add a touchdown at the end. That's thirty one twenty. So, yeah, and I, I mean, predicted yeah. what thirty five twenty one. So similar to that, I was, yeah. So, I was, I was in so the ballpark. So you were acting in the in the good faith that yes. Kentucky's a competent team, and that didn't happen, sadly. Um, but I'll ask you this: I mean, in the grand scheme of things, after this game, obviously the big question going in was, can Kentucky beat a decent opponent? Do y'all still think that they're a a top level team in the SEC? Not Alabama, Georgia, but you know they're still up there with Tennessee, with Ole Miss, with Kentucky. I mean, obviously this game could have gone either way. But Kentucky and Will Levis, do you think they still hold the potential that has been set on them earlier this season? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, y'all still have, to me, per three to four really uh, kind of difficult games ahead of you. I mean, yeah. you can beat Mississippi State at home, which y'all should, I think, since it'll be at Kentucky and it's a night game. Uh, at Tennessee, that'll be tough. Uh, versus Georgia, that'll be tough. Uh, and then versus Louisville, that's a rivalry game. So That one will you know, be tough. Yeah, I mean, you don't know that. We beat them by about 35 on average the last three years. Um, you know, yeah, you know, but when you overlook somebody, very true. it's when that comes to get you. I think from what I've known from college football, watching it these past couple of years, there's nothing that brings a team together better than a tough loss. That's very and true. I think, if anything, with how you guys play and with the, t- the talent you have on this roster, I think this loss is only going to make you better. I mean, this is about as poorly as you could play with, you know, bad things happening, bad luck. Mm-hmm. And I think this is only going to make you better, especially with Rodriguez. Uh, now that he's back, he's going to start getting into a rhythm. Y'all are going to start – they're going to start meshing more as an offense. And it's only going to get better for you guys. So yeah. I think the momentum, the the chemistry going forward is going to be better for Kentucky. And personally, I think y'all could be – no, you know, number three team overall in the SEC for yeah. sure. I think a multi-dimensional offense was definitely going to help you all in the weeks to come. I mean, oh, for sure. With Chris Rodriguez back, we looked better on offense this past week in Ole Miss, and I'd hope that would continue to develop as you know he gets back in the swing of things. And you know, it's the SEC leading rusher a few years ago coming back into an offense. That's going to be a big deal. Um, one last thing before we move on: Do you think this hurts any of Will Levis's stock this season, either as a you know? Dark Horse Heisman or as a number one overall pick potential? Yes. I don't know why he so. should be either of those things in the first place. So, yeah. I was talking to somebody the, the other day about this, and the Will Levis excitement that happened over the offseason that kind of like came out of nowhere, at least in my opinion, I feel like it's very comparable to like when Josh Allen was coming out of college in Wyoming. I think yeah. it's like Sam Darnold-esque even too. You like, think so? Yeah, like you're projected to be a top five pick in the draft, and you haven't really – which Will, Will Levis has done more in college than what Sam Darnold did. Yes. It's just the style of QB or whatever that these people are freaking slobbering for, and I don't get it. I mean, the, the the main thought process here with Will Levis is that, you know, he has the the intangibles as a leadership off off the football field, which is something you, you really can't teach players. And I mean, especially in, in a college aspect, that's a big thing to look for. The cons, though, is like mayo banana sandwiches and stuff. Then he put mayonnaise in his coffee. Mayonnaise, that just builds culture in a football team. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> eating not. fried or eating grilled gator after the Florida game. I mean, that's, that's just great stuff. That's like biological warfare culture. <laughs> but I'll add. I mean, I'll add this last part. Like I was doing the Josh Allen comp. He's 
I mean, I don't want to say he's unknown, but he's obviously not like the C.J. Stroud, Bryce Youngs of the world. He's coming in as a very raw talent. He has the ability to be good, obviously huge size. He's able to run. He's athletic, just like Josh Allen, just these raw skills that are going to have to be developed in the NFL, maybe a year behind a a solid quarterback before he takes over, like what Josh Allen did with Tyrod Taylor. And he has that potential in in an offense, and especially in Kentucky where they run the NFL-style offense, you know, huddle before the play. They do pre-stab motion and all that stuff. He's, he has a lot of, of, of those skills that can translate well into the NFL. And so that's why there's there's hope that he could be a number one, maybe just a top 10 pick. But I will say, I'll add this stat here before we go. Preseason, he was 35 to 1 odds to, to go as number one overall pick. After the Florida victory, he jumped up to 12 to 1 odds. And after the Old Miss loss, he's now at 6 to 1 odds. So if that tells you anything, Vegas obviously hasn't lost any faith in him yet. So he went from, for after a loss, yeah. he went from 12-1 to 6-1. to one. Yes. I mean, if you're just looking at stat, I mean, 18-24, 222 touchdowns. Yes, the fumble sucked. One of them you might not be able to accredit to him just with the with the uh, the targeting penalty and all that. I mean, that kind of surprises me a little bit. But, I mean, I've kind of always said that the Vegas people are one of the smartest people in football. And, you know, they set the bets, and they're usually somewhat right. No, they know so, what they're talking about. Yeah. So I'll, tr- I'll trust those bets so far. He just doesn't give me good vibes like, you know, someone who can be a franchise QB in the NFL. I just don't see it at this point in time. I could be eating my words in this little, it's like three years. I'll save this clip. Well, I'll give you credit for, you know, Josh Allen. I really didn't know much about him coming into when he got drafted. And it's one of those guys that, you know, he has the frame, the size, the arm strength, everything. He has all the intangibles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just a matter of how well he gets developed. Like you said, if he goes to a team that can develop him, then of course Will Levis can be as good as, you know, as anybody wants him to be, you know what I'm saying? He can be the next Josh Allen for sure. So it all depends on where he goes, kind of like what we've seen with Tom Brady. I think if he goes to 31, the other 31 teams, I don't think we talk about Brady like he's the GOAT, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, it all depends on where he goes and if he's able to work hard enough, and I think that's not going to be an issue. So, Well, we'll stick in the SEC here because we're going to get some commentary on this, but Georgia's close call to Missouri this past weekend um, I'll have a funny story with this one, but number one, Georgia beating Missouri 26 to 22 falls number two into the rankings. And we'll get into this later with Ohio state as well. But for you guys, what is this? I mean, it's, that's the story of the season's kind of been that a lot of these top teams are looking a little iffy, obviously Alabama and Texas earlier in the season, Ohio state still has that game yet to come for them. But for Georgia, this was not a game that I would expect them to be a little shaky on, but you know, in Missouri, you win by four, didn't have a touchdown until the fourth quarter. What did this kind of tell you about the Bulldogs? Uh, to me, it just shows that they aren't where they should be, uh, according to their ranking and what everyone's been saying. I think they came out hot, of course, against Oregon. But, you know, that is the Pac-12, and the, we all know the Pac-12 isn't the strongest. So Definitely I think, not defensively. No, and I think <laughs> Georgia maybe got caught off guard. And, you know, that same stuff that we've been seeing over and over again with the little screens, the, you know, the running, run-heavy offense, and the use of Brock Bowers with the little jet screen and, and the jet sweep that they've been doing, and that, that he's been running like 75-yard touchdowns, didn't seem to get the job done against Missouri. Um, finally, someone picked up on it, apparently. Yeah. But, um, no, I just think Georgia needs to be uh, better than just a one-dimensional offense. They just seem to run and do – the same things over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that's eventually that was going to get exposed, and it did. And I think I guess Missouri kind of caught them off guard, and once again this is probably just going to make Georgia better because they're going to be all like, oh, my gosh, we almost had a yeah. know, close – we they're almost cel- lost. They're celebrating in the locker room like this is a victory for them probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Georgia's going to be just fine after this. They're going to 
do what Bama does. Whenever they have a close loss, they're going to come back and win by 50 for the next six games. Who so, they got, who they have next? Uh, Auburn. Oh, yeah. So spreads 30. You can only imagine what's going <laughs> to yeah. happen. But and the spread from Missouri is like 28. So yeah, no, I mean we're garbage, but I think I think Georgia. I think they are showing some flaws at this point in the season, but I do think they're kind of keeping some of their cards closer to their chest for like you know teams that they need to it's worry true. about. It's very true. Yeah. Like I mean, I'm sure Kirby is still pissed that he isn't performing as good against these teams as he should. You know, Kent State and uh, Missouri included. Mm-hmm. So I think and they're definitely going to work on some things. And I still think, you know, probably here in the next three to four weeks that they will show that they're, you know, a top two to three team in, uh, in college football. But right now, uh, I think I think they need to reassess and then definitely get some more things together on offense, especially with passing, which I kind of figured they would have been a little bit more passing heavy this year compared to last, just based off of Brock Bowers and then, I mean, Stetson Bennett's getting more and more confidence with his arm, so I don't know why they haven't been using that. Yeah, it was just a little strange. Like, they didn't seem to use the the passing effectively at all with Stetson, Mm -hmm. and I saw a lot of his passes getting batted down as well, and I know he's 5'11". He's a a pretty short guy. So that doesn't help. Um, But it it just looks like they use Brock Bowers more behind the line of scrimmage than than downfield. It's just Mm -hmm. weird. Like, that's where they – get the most of his production. And I think if they get him downfield, he's still going to be an animal. Yeah, I don't understand why they're not using him more downfield. You think I mean he's just a he's a giant. You think he'd be killing it downfield like Kelsey and I mean, all that. I mean like Liam was saying, they could just be saving some stuff. I mean, they're going into the game plan against Missouri, you know, you're probably not running your full playbook against Missouri just to to keep some things Well, hidden. that and you're going to want not I also think that you're going to want to keep some of your players fresh for, True. you know, some yes. other games down the stretch cuz you can definitely build like you know, just playing the same few plays over and over, and you can get into a rhythm, and then, you know, Alabama or whoever they play later this season is going to capitalize off of that. I think they're, you know, probably trying to show a little something different and build upon themselves and stay healthy at the same time because you can't lose some good players like they lost George Pickens and stuff uh, in the end of last year. So, Yeah, I mean – it, this was a game, I mean, like I said, I didn't see this coming. Chris, you saw when you were watching the Kentucky game, they had like an ad for this SEC night game like every other commercial mm-hmm. break. And I was just, I was I was making fun of it t- to some people because I was like, they're hyping this game up like it's like going to be an all-time classic. And right. I'm like, this game, the spread's almost 30. <laughs> I'm like, George is going to walk in, kick their teeth in, and all the fans are going to be gone by the second quarter. Of course, it ends up not happening. And, you know, Missouri probably had the, the best game of their lives potentially. But yeah. I don't know. That's just, I mean... And the way the season's going so far, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these top three teams drop a game sometime. Um, no, for sure. I mean, only one of those top three teams that we've always been talking about hasn't had a you know a close call. Georgia, obviously, with this game. Texas, about beating Alabama earlier. And then, I mean, even Arkansas put up a fight against Alabama this past mm-hmm. weekend, mostly due to a, to a quarterback change. But the only team that hasn't happened, hasn't happened yet is, is your Ohio State Buckeyes. Yep. And, you know, the big question now is after this AP poll, Georgia drops to two, Alabama to one. Did Ohio State get overlooked here to stay at three? We always do. I mean, this is nothing new. Me and my uh-huh. dad talk about this all the time. I mean, Ohio State, <clears throat> no matter how good they are, will never be looked at as any anything better than an undefeated SEC team. Um, no matter how close the games are, the SEC will always be one or two mm-hmm. over Ohio State. I mean, I even think if we went out and we don't have a close game, 
we're still not going to be the number one team in the country. We go in and we beat, we're undefeated. We beat Michigan by three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. We're still not going to be number one. Y'all are getting closer in AP points compared to what y'all were against Alabama and Georgia. I can tell you, from from my experience, it, it never really goes in our favor with rankings, and, and they don't really look too highly on us. I understand that, but to be fair, like comparing y'all to Michigan and Clemson, I mean, y'all have 140 more points over uh, – Michigan, and that's y'all are a lot closer to both Georgia and Alabama than that. So no, no, we're that's yeah. right where we are is yeah. about as, as high as we're gonna as get. As good as it's gonna get. Yeah, yeah. because I don't, I don't know. I think I think if y'all keep performing and Georgia and Alabama keep slipping a little bit, which I kind of expect in the next about two weeks. Well, not this week for Georgia at least, but maybe later. Uh, <laughs> I think I think y'all I think y'all get to one at some point this season. I mean, you just look at it like even now, like I don't understand how a person on the AP poll committee or whatever, whoever's picking this, looks at what the games that they've seen so far and as of recently and says, you know what, Georgia's a better football team than Ohio State. In the past two weeks, could you honestly say I could Georgia no. is a better football team than Ohio State? Y'all are getting more, like, number one votes, too, now. Like, so there's 50 or 60 AP number one votes. Y'all got 10 this week. Alabama got 25 and Georgia got 28. So y'all are getting there. (laughs) Well, we're not getting there soon enough because, you know, there's two teams in the country that rank both in the top 10 in offense and defense. It's Ohio Mm -hmm. State and Alabama. They're they're both in the top 10 in offense and defense. Yet, we still have a team ranked over us. And we haven't had a close game. We, I mean, our closest game was 11 points to Notre Dame, who at the time was a top-five team in the country. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, we've won by, I want to say, no less than 28 points. I think you're correct with that. I mean, I feel like we already know how this is going to play out. I mean, just from the pessimist point of view of this, you're going to have Georgia and Alabama. St- I mean, the top three is going to stay the same way it's going to. Whether it stays that way the whole time, I could, I could put money it's going to finish that way. SEC championship time rolls around. The number two team beats number one team. They simply flip-flop places, and you know, Ohio State stays smack in at number three, and Clemson or whoever will come in and sweep away Michigan after y'all beat them in the, in the rivalry week. But that's how it's going to end up. And I don't think – I don't agree with that, but I'd hope it wouldn't end up like that. But just that pessimist inside of me that knows how the SEC bias just plays into the AP poll and in the college football playoff rankings when those eventually start coming out later this year. I mean, I'd like to say there's hope for Ohio State, but unless one of those top two teams drop – a silly game, they're not gonna, or they're not gonna move it. I don't know. I think the highest that we can get with how I think things are gonna play out is two, mm-hmm. with you know eventually Georgia and Alabama playing each other. One's gonna lose. Yeah. I mean, then we'll go to two, but I I don't know. I mean, they're just gonna keep saying that we are playing inferior opponents in the Big Ten, and they're not gonna put us up as high as like Bama playing all these SEC teams. And I know they're getting into like the tougher part of their schedule. So as long as they keep winning then we're not going to jump them. It's probably the same thing with Georgia. Well, Georgia and Alabama are more than likely bound to play each other at least once, and then obviously y'all and Michigan are definitely going to have to play each other at least once. So, well, just once. Once. Yeah, Yeah. only once. But, uh, I mean, like, you know, those two games are probably going to dictate, you know, the outcome of the the last AP poll going into the playoff. Yeah, I mean. Playoff poll in general. We, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. We could potentially see, you know, if, if everything goes like crazy and just AWOL, you could see Ohio State at one, Michigan somehow getting in at the four spot if, you know, Clemson and USC lose pretty bad. And then, you know, Bama two, Georgia three. You know, you could so- somehow see something like that. And that's that'd probably be the first time there's only ever been, definitely the first time there's only ever been two conferences in the playoff. Mm-hmm. And that would just be crazy. Just to see, you'd literally just see a rematch 
Yeah, it'd be the championship teams. game and then yeah, just yeah. over again. I mean I mean, sadly, your next matchup, Michigan State, they've kind of dropped the ball. They're yeah. no longer good, not even a quality opponent. Iowa after that, which, I mean, they're in a six-way tie for first in the West. So they're technically leading the West, which wild. should be a quality should be a quality win. The West is not not so good this year. No, they're yeah. kind of whack. Yeah. But, yeah, besides Penn State later on in the season and Michigan in the last game, you don't have those quality opponents. But it's still top. That's two top ten teams as of currently. So, I don't know. Hopefully that gives you some leverage. But, I mean, you, you truly never know because I – if Ohio State did this to a Missouri-caliber team, which, I mean, at this point, Michigan State potentially or Rutgers or someone, if you drop this kind of game, you're falling out of the top ten. And they're not going to do the SEC schools. And I'm not saying well, they fall out well, the top ten. This is what I would say. If we would have had a four-point win over Rutgers and it was close. And you were losing Y'all go to like nine, six or seven. We, we'd probably go to five. I would say Clemson, Michigan would go to three. Clemson go to four. We go to five. Yeah, okay. that's fair. There is a, there is a good gap. I'll, I'll, I'll that, keep with that. that yeah. That's what because we'd still be undefeated, but they'd be like, "Oh, Ohio State's not that good. They yeah. struggled true, against true. the bad Rutgers and team." I think y'all would yeah. still like have more brownie points than USC in that case. Yeah, I mean, we we like if it yeah. came down to it, even though they'd ranked ahead of us, if it came down to it, we'd probably get in over USC. Which tell me, is USC even good? Do we I, do we believe they're like actually a decent team? No, they're like they're like. Oklahoma was every year with Lincoln Riley. Yes. They have a good offense, but Fair. they're they're not good enough to win anything major. I mean, yeah. they it's it's very similar to Oklahoma, which like it is Lincoln Riley. But I mean, Caleb Williams, arguably one of the best quarterbacks, and Jordan Addison was the best wide receiver last year in the nation. So, I mean, you can't really discount that or discredit that. But I, they definitely need to be more well-rounded if they want to be taken more seriously when it comes to playoff. No, I mean, it's exactly what we've seen from Oklahoma. They always have a good quarterback, always have a very talented receiver, but they don't have the defense yeah. to back it well, up. And sometimes they say they have a good defense. Like, you know, people in college game day will say that, and they drop 45 to Oklahoma State and win that game by, you know, a touchdown. Yeah. When it's, yeah, you scored 51 points, great, but you let up 45. Exactly, And yeah. that's what we see with – you know, USC and Oklahoma programs that Lincoln Riley it coaches that. That's yeah. what you're going to see. It's two weeks out, but they get their first true test against number currently 11, Utah, the Utes, in a, in a couple of weeks. Do they lose this game? That, that, is that's it at a good Utah? One. It is, it is at Utah. Ooh. Okay. If it's at Utah, it's, I think Utah wins, that's which a, Utah's got a tough, tough matchup this week at UCLA. UCLA's playing decent football this year mm-hmm. for, you know, Pac 12 standards. That's good yes. news for the Big Ten because both USC and UCLA are. Coming on to the Big Ten here soon. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It is. It's really ridiculous. I feel like we missed out on our kind of conversation on the show about the conference re- reshuffling, but that's just ridiculous. We'll save it for a rainy day. Well, there's yeah. potentially more teams from the Pac-12 that could come to the Big Ten, such as like Oregon and potentially Utah. We don't know what's going to happen, but you know, Washington was even in the conversation. So who knows? Just, yeah, just just whack. Yeah, screw, yeah. Just join. I mean, just whatever. Just screw the screw the Pac-12. But I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, last thing we can get to for college before we head on our break, and it's uh, I mean maybe the shock of the of the news story, the shock of the college football world this season is that Kansas is now first time they've ever been ranked since 2009, number 19 overall, and game day is going to the Kansas TCU matchup. That is kind of I mean TCU hasn't played this good of football since Trevon Boykin was there mm-hmm. either. It's been a minute for so, TCU. I mean it's you know it's big for both of these programs to be ranked playing each other while they're ranked and you know college game day I don't think has ever been to Kansas so this is some really big hype for them uh which I will say both Kansas teams Kansas State's pretty good this year too they got that Deuce Vaughn's a very talented Adrian Martinez also might be my favorite player at the moment to watch in college football 
I mean, that's just a person. It's a very personal opinion. What's their record right now? Uh, four and one. Okay, who'd yeah. they lose to? I don't remember, but they beat Oklahoma at Oklahoma by like twenty one. So wow, yeah, that seems to be what everyone's doing right now. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it's a little bit uh, off kilter, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think this is huge for both of those programs. I'm really looking forward to watching this game, which I think it's Big 12's noon kickoff game. So it's going to be pretty wild when Lee Corso is putting on his helmet or whatever <laughs> and they're kicking the ball off. So that'll be fun. First time he'll ever put that Jayhawk hat on, I'd assume. I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to go TCU. TCU's yeah. favored by seven at Kansas, mm. which I don't necessarily get. To me, this should be like a pick them, but I'd say, we'll see. I'd say like make it just a two-point spread out of the way. I mean, give them the points. But well, Kansas, has, like they've been – They've had somewhat close games here recently, right? They've been kind of scraping by. I mean, they've been having good wins, but they've yeah. been kind of scraping by. It's true. So, I mean. This is probably going to be their most pop-in game ever, though. No, I mean, if they win this one, then I'll think, okay, they're have legit. They, have they announced the guest picker this week? I, should be Gary Woodland. <laughs> it should be, it honestly. Should. I'll give you an answer in about three, two seconds if it's been announced yet. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes I, they wait till like, Thursday. Nah, that, that's Clemson's, yeah. Yeah. It's just giving me Christian Wilkins, but he already, he already yeah. had his time to shine. Yeah. Give me your picks for this game, and then we'll head into break. Uh, TCU, uh, 31-24, and I would also like to give uh, Dr. Fowler another shout-out this week. Will Rogers, he's the man. Uh, he's also a very explosive quarterback. Yep. Uh, I got probably TCU, I'm thinking 38-27. Mm. Probably something like that. Just, what, what just you got? Just to be different, I'll give me Kansas thirty-one twenty-seven. There you go. Nice, Jayhawks. Let, let, baby. let it, I mean, if you told me previous, I mean, if you told me in September first that the Jayhawks would be five and zero hosting game day, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Is I, Gary Patterson still the coach at TCU? I want to say he is. He's a really good coach. He is. He's always been really good. Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes. Oh, so hmm. they don't have pa- – where? where nope. is Gary Patterson? Gary uh, – oh, I got Currently to. nowhere, I don't think. Really? Yep. Yeah, I'm not I'm not, not pulling anything up. Hmm. The last year was his last year with TCU. One year gotcha. off, Chris. One year off. Yeah. Well, exciting for Kansas. Good for them, honestly. But uh, we'll, get into, we'll get into a radio break here when we get back. We got NFL news coming up. Uh, I mean, we'll probably do a Dallas Cowboys recap for the 100th time because it's just a compelling story at this point. The <laughs> NFL 2 is situation on Thursday Night Football. Uh, and and uh, I know Chris has some things to say about Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes <laughs> Sunday Night Football game and a quarterback debate. So we'll get into all those things when we get back. Remember to follow us on our social media at OffTheBenchXLR. We are on Instagram where you can find all kinds of content from the show, including quotes, video clips, and more. Again, that is at OffTheBenchXLR on Instagram. Follow us there. Listen to this one song, and we'll be right back. And we are back here on Off the Bench. My name is Hayden Joyner, joined with Liam Fortenberry. Liam Fortenberry. Uh, that'd be really cool. <laughs> that would have been a crazy day. Chris Fortenberry and Liam Worley. We just finished up some college football, and we're going to hop in to NFL news this past week. It was a crazy one in week four of the NFL season and a lot to talk about. But I'll start first off, you know, if you can if you can rewind your brains about six days prior to last week's uh, Thursday night football game, the day after our last show, you know, we talked a little bit about Tua's injury, you know, where we stumbled out of triple T's on the field. And I uh, was looking a little wobbly over there. Um, got cleared in concussion protocol and was going to play Thursday night against the Bengals. And uh, he got kind of slung around, got kind of thrashed to the ground, and his hands went all crazy. 
in his face. I think it's like called like posturing or something where his, his brain gets knocked so hard he's just yeah. kind of his hands just thrown up. He's tweaking. T- carted off the field and uh, they were tweeting about him like all night saying like, you know, he was in stable condition in the hospital. He rode back on the plane with them. He seems to be fine. He's currently in con- concussion protocol. Who's their backup is taking over? The, I don't even know who the... Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater, baby. Bridge, yes, sir. Who else would it be with Teddy Bridgewater? None other. Yeah, taking over over those snaps. And, um, now, I mean, he's, he's in concussion protocol fully now, so he's out of the game. There's no no more issues with that. One of the lead, like, physicians or something for the Dolphins was fired after this NFLPA investigation. Whether he's a scapegoat or not to a bigger issue, we don't know yet. But for you guys, I mean, we were kind of saying last Wednesday he probably shouldn't be playing, and at this point we didn't know if he was going to start Thursday night or not. But in retrospect, I mean, he should have been out there, correct? No, no he no. should not have been out there. Period. I mean, he shouldn't have been put back in the game after his first one. And then, like, I think, which we're seeing it a lot in NASCAR right now where drivers are taking multiple weeks off, even Mm -hmm. though they feel like they can get back in the car just to be on the safer side of things. I think that's what they should have done with Tua as well. And uh, they should have learned from past, past players in general. I mean... You show multiple concussions, especially in that short amount of time, is yeah, going to lead yeah. to like CTE or something later into his life, and that's not going to be good when he uh, gets to that bridge. So, you know, I think uh, I definitely think they should have taken a lot more cautions uh, before putting Tua back out on the field in that short amount of time. I'm I feel really bad for him because he was having his best season to this point. Easily, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I just you know he was showing what he was capable of when. He had a lot of good talent around him, and uh, I kind of feel bad for him. But hopefully, he'll be able to recover and, uh, you know, be able to sling the ball to Tyreek and Jalen Waddle at some point again in his career. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, Tua, he's a that warrior type of guy. You know, he wants to be out there even when he's injured or not feeling well. That's obvious from what we've saw these past two weeks. And I think, you know, he wanted to be out there just as much. I don't think he was not wanting to be out there playing football and saying that no, I'd rather stay and sit on the bench. You know, he he wants to be out there going to war and going to battle with his with his guys. So I think um, Tua is going to get back on the field as soon as he can uh, with knowing how he is. Um, he's just the ultimate competitor. and you know, I, But I don't think he should have been out there on the field. Obviously, oh, when we yeah. see him stumble around against Buffalo uh, like he was completely drunk, you know, there's no, no reason he should have been playing in that game and definitely no reason he should have been playing against uh, Cincinnati. And, of course, he took another big hit and we saw mm-hmm. what happened and – um, it's just terrible. You know, you never want to see that happen to a football player um, or anybody, you know, no matter how much you dislike them or any any of that nature. You just want to see them, you know, be healthy. You don't ever want to see anybody get hurt. So it sucks to see that. Um, I know that he, I think he's okay from what I've heard. Yeah, like he's doing fine he's, and he's, responsive. He's, uh, stable sounds like a really bad word to use, but that's yeah. the thing like, I can think of. He's he's good, yeah, basically. I, he's, he's doing all right. And, you know, like I said, I'm sure uh, – I'm sure he'll get back on the field as soon as he possibly can. But, uh, no, for now it's Bridgewater's time, and I think there's really nobody better to take over that yeah. that role than, than Teddy. I'd say Teddy's – or the Dolphins are in good hands with yeah. Teddy Bridgewater. One of the – I mean, easily better – one of the better backups. I mean, him – I mean, Cooper Rush, I guess. Tyrod, <laughs> Tyrod Taylor, all these guys, they're, they're, they're quality backups. I mean, Andy Dalton for the Saints is an awful downgrade either. But two concussion-level hits in four or five days for two, however you want to book it. It's just something that shouldn't happen in the NFL nowadays, especially after all the research that we've had in the past decade or so with CT with CTE and, and concussions and all that. It just seems like teams are typically extra cautious with these things. I mean, they'll take a, a quarterback out after a hit and they'll force him on the sidelines, even though the quarterback wants to go back because they're so worried about the, con- the concussion protocol. 
And then you have the situation with Tua where he's back on the field Sunday. He's back on the field Thursday. And, of course, it leads to a hit that, I mean, who knows if, if this was a singular event on Thursday, if it would have been as bad as it was when it happened. But you, you can't help but think that the previous situation on Sunday night or Sunday's afternoon game, you know, affected his his health on Thursday. And, I mean, he's a fighter. He's going he's gonna to try to get back on the field as soon as possible, hopefully with doctor recommendations that will keep him safe for the rest of the season. And, you know, he wants to get back out there with Waddle and Tyreek Hill and, and continue on a decent season that the Dolphins are already having. I mean, they were undefeated going into this game, one of the only two teams. And who's to say if Tua stayed in, they would have continued to be undefeated after uh, potentially defeating the Bengals. But I will add, I mean, I don't know if you saw this in the show notes. Y'all remember that movie with Will Smith a few years ago called mm-hmm. Concussion? I didn't based, watch it. It was based on Dr. Bennett Amahu, Amalu's research on CT and concussions, how the NFL is kind of trying to mask it. And um, Dr. Amalu came out and said after this Tua situation that he would strongly, strongly recommend Tua retire right now from football because of the risk of CTE in his future simply because of these two hits. What do, what do y'all think on that? I mean, obviously we're non-doctor perspectives here, but do you think it'd be a reasonable situation for him to retire? Maybe not like currently, but like in the next year or so just to prevent, uh, you know, more complications down the line for him? Which I, I think, I don't think retiring is necessarily what he's going to look to do. I think he should take a break, you know, for maybe even the rest of the season, which I don't know what his outlook's looking like right now, but I think he should take a break, look back at his whole overall life, and mm-hmm. see, which, I mean, these guys are competitors. They're never going to want to stop. Yeah, you tell so, them to retire. They're not yeah, going to do, do that. But I think Tua's got a level enough head on his shoulders to where he's going to look back, look the whole scope of his life, and if it's better for him to retire, you know, while he can still be functional, uh, in his later ages, I think I think he'll end up retiring. But right now, I I don't think he's thinking like that, and uh, I'm hoping he's not thinking like that because he's uh, he's been a pleasure to watch out on the field this year. Yeah, I think um, it's it's so tough because you look at you know there's two sides of the spectrum here. You have your a- Antonio Browns, you know, who kept playing, and obviously he got messed up so bad that he's not even the same person he was even close to was. Oh. When he first got into the league and when he was at his peak, um, before his hit, and then you have Andrew Luck, who left the game in his prime, playing at the top of you know top of the level, but you know couldn't take the injuries, didn't want to deal with them, didn't want to be you know you know potentially in a wheelchair mm-hmm. or ba- barely able to move later on in his life, and you know obviously very talented. Uh, Andrew Luck still had a lot of good years left in him, but decided to do the you know maybe the smart thing and leave, and then Antonio Brown. Uh, <laughs> That's just a whole nother situation there. I mean, Andrew Luck's coming back, right, Chris? He's coming back, right? No, not. I thought he would have by now. <laughs> it's not happening. Anymore. I thought if he didn't do it by now, it's never going to happen. So is yeah. that bet from season two still on? No, let's just. I'll no. just go ahead and, and accept that. But um, <laughs> no, Tua. You, you see the type of guy he is. The way he, you know, he loves the game of football. You can tell. Um, he absolutely loves it, and I don't think he's going to be able to to ever retire. Like at this stage, I think he's so young. He's going to feel like if he does retire, he's just going to regret, you know, for the rest of his life that he should have played football longer and, and played the game that he loves. Because what else is he going to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you love something, then you're not going to want to be away from it. So it, it's it's one of those situations. You know, he's he's very young still. He's only been in the league for, what, two, three years now? Yeah, I think this yeah, I think is third. This is third, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's one of those situations. He's not in his seventh, eighth year, you know. This isn't like something you could, you know, okay, I had my time. It's probably best. I and it's not that situation. So maybe it might be smarter for him, uh, for what the doctor said. But I don't think that's going to be something he even considers, honestly. Yeah. I mean, 
it, it, obviously the whole situation sucks for him. And I feel like Antonio Brown's one of the more recent examples a lot of people can look to to see how bad it can potentially get. I mean, he's come out and said on podcasts and stuff that he denies that CT or any of that ever affected his life. But, I mean, unless he just went absolutely crazy. He's gone AWOL, man. He's, he's gone fully AWOL. I mean, it feels like every single couple months there's something new with Antonio Brown. I mean, you look back to that really bad hit up with, uh, was it Vontez Burfick, yeah. I believe, that, I mean, looked like he just ragdolled after that play. I mean, that was years ago. But, you know, it comes to bite you, not immediately, but, you know, years in after your life. And, I mean, you know, shirtlessly running off the field against the Jets and the Buccaneers home game or away game last season and then you know all the off-field issues he's had even the, whatever happened a few uh this past week uh i'm not going to explain it on air but you can look up the new york post in the situation pool. to uh t- to see what happened in that video but but i mean antonio brown he's gone awol and andrew luck was one of the you know one of the better examples of what you could do to prevent all that and i'm sure he's living a fantastic life you know doesn't regret his decision whatsoever and except some people like chris fortenberry think he's going to come back but you never know i, I think there's maybe about you know, like a five percent. There's still regret oh, uh, for regret. him. I thought you were going to say five percent chance for I, him. I was to come no, back. no, 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 no. He's, yeah. If he ain't come back by now, he's not going to come back. But I think there's probably a little part of him that's like, you know, probably because of the coin he could have earned because he was pretty good. Maybe yeah. not the money. I think it's like the fans. You know, I can only imagine the things that were said to that guy when he re- decided to retire. When there's he was like that a good. there's like a mini documentary on that. Yeah, if you remember when he was like retiring, like mid preseason game and like the fans booed him off the field because yeah. he was on the sidelines i mean that's just a, a horrible situation that's got yeah, i mean that's gotta break your heart you know yeah. you dedicated your life to this organization and you have to leave but it's the best thing for you you know that's, yeah you know you're, you're gonna kill so many people that have you know followed you and watched you this whole time and been supporting you it's it's just a terrible situation yeah i mean i mean obviously we wish wish to all the best hopefully he's back soon enough but uh it's just an ongoing, you know, itch issue with the NFL that kind of faded away. I, th- I thought more recently. Obviously, there was a huge CT concussion scandal, you know, years ago. I mean, with this doctor uh, and with the movie that came out, all of that kind of brought all that to the limelight for the NFL, and it's kind of faded back, you know, into the back rooms for the NFL. But it's come, it's come right back out into the limelight with this Tua situation. And you know, Twitter was going absolutely bonkers on Thursday night when when this all happened, saying the NFL had to change really quickly and there was going to be outrage and all that, which you know, kind of came to fruition. It, it, it was a really bad situation for the NFL, and I haven't read up too much on what they've kind of done to implement it. I've read something like a Tua rule was going to be in, inputted, uh, put into place, but nothing has really come come forth yet. But uh, hope all the best for Tua and uh, and hope that, you know, the concussion protocols can hopefully, you know, advance a little bit better that this, this doesn't happen again. Yeah. But I'll go into a, a happier subject and kind of switching gears here to the NFC and it's the NFC East NFC beast is no longer the NFC least hmm. are these teams in the NFC actually good I mean it, it entails my Cowboys which I feel like is a weekly topic at this point just because of what's going on but the Eagles 4-0 Cowboys are 3-1 and and the Giants are also 3-1 and do any of these teams do we feel like are are actually contenders this year for you know high playoff spot and maybe a Super Bowl I think there's a couple fakers I think a couple fakers. Yeah, I'm, Giants are definitely pretenders. Oh, definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, I think. But I'm not. I'm not sold on Dallas yet, Hayden. Which they, I, hey, I, I I trust you. Yeah. Um. I think. I think they can be. I don't think at the point in this right now that they're there yet. Which Michael Parsons is an absolute animal. I think they're getting some good things going on offense, but that could shift again when we see Dak get thrown mm-hmm. back out there on the field. Which, if he can, you know, start meshing real well again, uh, in a quickly manner, I think, I think there's two contenders and one pretender. But I, I think the Eagles are pretty legit and have a really nice, well-rounded team. 
Yeah, I think uh, personally, I think Dallas and Philly are about the same. That's the way I'm looking at them. I think they're both very talented, and I, I would put them, you know, equal in my rankings because I think Dallas, uh, I personally, from what I've seen, Dallas has the best defense in the NFL. From from everything that I've seen from them, mm-hmm. they definitely have the best defense in the NFL. Uh, Micah Parsons is playing like the, no, the definite MVP level right now. He's been playing out of his mind. Uh, I would say he's the best defensive player in football right now, even better than Aaron Donald for for, for this year. For I mean, for the first for the first four weeks, yeah, I agree with for, that. For, yes. for this year, yes. Um, now Cooper Rush been doing a very good job in Dak's de- uh, you know uh, departure that he's little uh, injury that he had, but. I think Dallas is only getting better, like you said. With I think it was last week or the week before mm-hmm. on the show, where you're just going to keep getting more key pieces added to the lineup because of injuries. You know, you had Tyron Smith, who's who's out still, but once he gets back in, that's only going to elevate the passing and running game. Um, Zeke and Pollard, I think that's something that's only going to get better as the season goes on, just because you're learning with the two running back system how to get better uh, working with one another. I think Dak. I, I like Cooper Rush, but I think Dak is obviously the better quarterback for Dallas, and he's only going to get better with the weapons being added to your receiving core, you know, with James Washington eventually coming back. Michael Gallup obviously made a difference this mm-hmm. this past week. Noah Brown's been stepping up for the wide receiver two spot that he's been in, and, of course, C.D. Lamb is very, very talented. So I, I just see Dallas as a team that's only going to improve as the season goes on. I don't see them um, going backwards. They're only going to go forwards, and I think – I really think you're a top five team, Ooh. probably you know definite top ten, but could be a mm-hmm. top five team in the NFL later on down down the line. I mean, yeah, we're gonna get Dak back. We're gonna get more wide receiver pieces, and I mean, like you said, you saw what Gallup provided to that offense against against Washington. You know, it gave CD more more outlets to be successful. Ninety seven yards and a touchdown for him, and it just kind of put the out of the pressure off that receiver room to deliver as much, especially with CD and Noah, with Noah Brown being the two primary targets. Mm-hmm. You get Dalton Schultz back, who didn't have a catch, but he had a few targets and definitely drew coverage because of the threat that he provides. And you get and get James Washington back, and you're going to get Dak back. The offensive line is going to get a little bit more healthy. Still got a couple pieces, Tyron Smith in particular, to come back. But rookie Tyler Smith has done pretty good in his in his absence. And don't forget, you know, midway through the season when the trade deadline comes up, Dallas Dallas is second in the league with most cap space. I mean, Jerry's usually pretty reluctant to make moves, but you've seen things happen like the Amari Cooper trade in 2018. Something could happen for the Cowboys, whether it's an offensive piece or offensive line help or whatever that could help this team even more down the stretch. And I've kind of always said that if you can have a team that does really well in the absence of their star quarterback, it's not really a detriment to the quarterback per se, but it's, it just shows how good that team is mentally and, and, and as a locker room. It just shows that, you know, that team's good and they're going to succeed. I mean, you've seen the Chiefs succeed with with Mahomes out you've seen I mean the Saints that were good a few years ago you know they lost uh lost Drew Brees and they went 6-0 with Taysom Hill and that just shows how well coached that team is and how well disciplined that team is I'm not saying the Cowboys are the best coach team in the world but I do I do want to give credit where credit's due and that Mike McCarthy's done a pretty good job this season dealing without Dak Prescott I mean he's had he's this is his third season I believe with the Cowboys he's had Dak's missed like at least half the games he's coached you know with the 2020 ankle injury and with this season so far and he's done a pretty good job to have a winning record with this team and to be successful in the absence of Dak. So I'll agree with you. I don't know if I'd say the Cowboys are top five in the league, but I definitely agree it's a top 10 caliber roster. Yeah, I was just saying yeah. you could get to top five we could get down, to top the, five, down the line. Yeah. yeah, defense is top three. Offense is, is sadly one of the bottom bottom third of the league currently. It's, it's just going to get better. Rush, but yeah. yes, it's going to get better. And with Dak back, you're going to have the opportunities to, to be a more electric and more explosive offense. 
I mean, I wish Dak was going to be back for this Rams game this week. You know, I'm sure he wanted to go with that C.D. Lamb against uh, against Jalen Ramsey battle and, and and fight with that out with Cooper Cup versus Trayvon Diggs. It was going to be a really fun game. Sadly, he'll be out, and it'll be interesting to see for for the first true test against a pretty good defense if Cooper Rush can compete with the L.A. Rams. It's going to be like a home game in SoFi Stadium for the Cowboys because there's so many Dallas fans out in L.A. So hopefully that helps them a little bit. But I expect a fun game with that. I definitely think they're they're uh, you know in in the running as they're a contender, not a pretender in the NFC East, at least. And, I mean, for another team, the Eagles, I mean, 4-0 speaks for itself. I definitely, I mean, I'll put the Giants aside here. Daniel Jones is not winning you a playoff game, not even maybe getting you to the playoffs. They've played pretty weak opponents so far this season, and I don't expect a ton out of them. But for the Eagles, they beat, I mean, week one, you win you win by three points against the number one offense in the league and the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff, which mm-hmm. who would have guessed that statement was going to come out of my mouth, but you get that done. You dominate Minnesota on uh, on Sunday Night Football or whatever prime time, whatever they, time that was. You dominate the Commanders, and then you come back from you know the jaws of defeat, fourteen zero down to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you you outscore them twenty nine to seven after that first couple of, of possessions after the pick six. So they, I mean, they dom- I mean, you can really say, I mean, I don't know how you want to feel, Chris, but they kind of dominated Jacksonville after those fluky plays at the beginning. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say dominated is the right way to to put it. I don't think Philly even should have won that game. I mean, they had the one turnover I mean, compared Trevor, to our five. If, if, I mean, if, I mean, if Trevor Lawrence didn't fumble the ball, fumbled the ball four times. Yeah, I mean, he lost might've, might've all four. Might have won. We, Tane, we lost by one score. Yeah, might have, might have won was 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 not the way I meant to put it that. It was only you know eight. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. we lost by technically one score, eight points, yeah. and we turned the ball over five times. They had one turnover. Of course, it was a pick six, which did help, but. Yes. You know, you, you cannot turn the ball over three times in a game, let alone five, mm-hmm. and, and expect a win. And, I mean, that's why I'm not, like, as high on Philly. I think they're a good team, but I still think they're not good enough to beat, you know, a, a Kansas City uh, caliber team. I just don't think that their offense could hang with Mahomes and Kelsey. I, I, I don't know. I'd argue their offense is – one of the better parts of that team. Jalen Hurts is only getting better. You have those solid offensive pieces. Miles Sanders has turned into one of the better running backs this season. 27 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns this past year, this past week. And, I mean, A.J. Brown's made the offense better. You got um, Devontae, Smith. Devontae Smith. I was questioning his name for a second. You got Devontae Smith. Dallas Goddard's still a quality tight end. You know, it doesn't help me in fantasy very much, but he's still a quality tight end. And I feel like this Eagles offense is just – I don't know it's very raw at the moment, but it's going to get better. I don't know, they just have like, kind of like this this mojo around them currently that I just kind of have a slight worry about. I don't know. They just seem like that team that's going to kind of come out of nowhere and be very explosive in the regular season. Maybe not, you know, playoff successful as much. I mean, the NFC East just isn't playoff successful in general recently, uh, apart from that Eagles Super Bowl. But I don't know. I, I just I have a fear for this team, and I feel like if they had a game like like against the Chiefs in primetime, they're going to make a game out of it. You know, whether you think they're good or not, they're just going to make a game out of it because it's the way the NFL wants it to happen. Fair. No, I agree yeah. with that. I'm yeah. I'm not too sold on, you know, either of these teams being able to go and, you know, win an NFC championship. But I think, I think the quality is there for both of the teams to make a good playoff run and contend for the NFC championship at this point. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, NFC Beast, they're the best record, divisional record, I think, in the NFL, at least in the NFC, I know of. Oh, so, yeah. I would agree. So, I mean, who would, I mean, which I can't disagree. I mean, it's a statistic. Almost as surprising as Kansas being ranked in a game day. It's it's almost as, as crazy as that. So, so, take it as it is. Um, but I'll jump into those Chiefs and into a primetime game this past Sunday. 
the Chiefs Buccaneers Sunday night, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. Chris, you had a uh, you had a fun debacle in one of our private group chats the yes. other day about this, but uh, this game, Mahomes versus Brady, a huge matchup, rematch the Super Bowl. Uh, <clears throat> what was the number? Do y'all know? I can't remember. Fifty-one or two. Ever yeah. since fifty happened, I feel like I'm just yeah. kind of lost. Fifty-one or two. I've lost my mojo with the whole thing. But the Chiefs end up winning forty-one to thirty-one again with both with both quarterbacks showing you know the absolute best. And for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this was their first loss where they really first game really where they gave up a ton of points offensively, and their defense didn't look you know as you know as formidable as they've been this whole season. I mean, I, I bring it up with Dallas a lot too. But Patrick Mahomes, 23 of 37, 249, three touchdowns, and a lone interception. He got everybody kind of involved. Kelsey, Valdez, Scantling, Juju, Skymore, all these guys had, had plays in the game that were successful. And, you know, Mahomes versus Brady, it's kind of like it's still that battle of the young versus the new. I thought that when they had the Super Bowl a few years ago that – not young versus new, old versus new. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Chris, for that. I thought a few years ago when they played in the Super Bowl that that was, you know, a passing of the torch moment, even though Tom Brady won – you know, because we kind of expected Tom Brady to retire in the next season or so, and then he retired and unretired, and now he's apparently losing his family or something over, yeah, they over hired playing divorce, football. So attorneys today, so so ridiculous stuff here. But I mean, for Chris, I'll leave this for you because you seem pretty passionate about this uh, last Sunday. Mahomes or Brady? I mean, what do you, what are we thinking so far? I mean, you watch the game. Brady's obviously still the better. I mean, he put up a way better stat line than Mahomes did. He ha- basically had to carry the offense by himself. I want to say they had three total rushing yards. As a team. Yes, Leonard Fournette, three for negative yeah. three, and Rashad White, three for six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you, there you that's definitely the d- definition of one-dimensional football. Yeah, I mean, he, he had to put it all on, on himself, and he single-handedly kept them in that game because the defense surely wasn't doing it. They mm-hmm. gave up, what, 41? 40, 41. 41 points. Yeah. and That's more than any of the previous three games combined. Yeah, they exactly. Gave this game. So, I mean, Mahomes played well, and I know he made that flashy play uh, on the goal line pretty yeah. much, which was it was a very good play. I'll Typical Mahomes fashion, yeah. for sure. But by no means do I think Patrick Mahomes is a better ca- quarterback. I'd still take a Tom Brady right now over Patrick Mahomes. Even with all of the off-the-field problems? Of course. If there's anybody... I don't think that's affecting Tom Brady very no, much. No, Tom Brady is probably the me- mentally up there with you know Tiger Woods, M- Michael Jordan, Aaron Rodgers. Mentally toughest people on the planet. Aaron Rodgers is mentally something. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I Aaron Rodgers is because he's been on, on drugs the past two years. <laughs> hey, let him have it. <laughs> let him have it. No, I mean, I don't I don't give that people who do that credit. I, I, I don't appreciate that it at all. He eases his mind. Makes yeah, him whatever. Aaron Rodgers is a weirdo. I don't like him at all. It's but, like all these <clears> Mets <throat> fans still saying Barry Bonds is the GOAT, even yeah. though Aaron Judge is out here. Mm-hmm. Judge, baby. Um, But... No, I mean, you watch Brady. I mean, the guy's methodical. He does everything right. And he's still, to me, the best quarterback in the league just because mm-hmm. he's a, he's going to win. I mean, he had he didn't have a great season when they won the Super Bowl. Was their, their record wasn't all that great. It, going it, it was like it. 10 and 6. So yeah. they, they didn't go in as – I don't. I, they might have lost. I think they lost the division to the Saints that year. So yeah, I think they so. did. Yeah. yeah, they did. So that, that's what I'm saying. Like, this isn't like the end of Brady. He, as long as that dude gets in the playoffs – <laughs> they're golden. They're going to have a chance at winning the Super Bowl. And that's just because of who he is. You know, they step it up. He always steps it up. So, like, this current season, if we had gone back to week one, you're starting the expansion team from Greenwood. You're putting Tom Brady in as your starting quarterback instead of Patrick Mahomes. Of course. I mean, you look at last year's stats. Tom Brady beat Patrick Mahomes in every statistical category. He had less interceptions. He had more touchdowns. And he had more yards. At 44 mm-hmm. years old compared to Mahomes, who was, what, 26? Yeah. This Mahomes is in his prime at 26 years old. Last year, and he had Tyreek Hill last year. Everyone stayed healthy, and he still didn't put up the same numbers that Tom Brady did at 44 years old. 
you cannot tell me there's anything based off of what we've seen recently. Brady beat him in the Super Bowl. Brady had better stats than him last year. Tom Brady is still the better quarterback if you look back on everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mahomes has the best, probably going to go down as the top a top three tight end of all time. Tight Mahomes, end. big tight end guy? <laughs> no, I'm saying Mahomes has oh, oh, yes, yes, a yes, top yes. three tight end all time. Yeah, and he's I, had I him his whole that, career. Yes, I agree Agreed. With that. And without Kelsey, Mahomes isn't what he is. Yeah. If you take Kelsey off that team, Mahomes isn't even close. He doesn't win, and he doesn't have the offense that they have. I mean, that's you could argue that is the reason their offense is as good as it is. Because I can tell you this, Juju Smith-Schuster and Valdez Scantling, they're yeah. average receivers at best. I mean, they're no replacement for Tyreek Hill, who's no. I mean, arguably one of the more, most dynamic players in the NFL we've seen in the last. What was decade. up with Nicole Hardman this game? He's doing was, the was, same thing he always does. Well, he didn't. He didn't record a reception. Yeah, because so. he just yeah. runs around like four-two speed, but can't get open because he's clueless. He doesn't know what he's doing. Chicken he did with, that chicken with the head cut off kind of deal. Yeah. Fair, fair. The only time he's going to do anything is if you hand him the ball himself because he dang sure ain't going to catch anything. Yeah. And Tom Brady, uh, 1,056 total passing yards this year, six touchdowns, one interception. I'd say he's off to a pretty good start. I mean, what was it last year? Did he lead the league in touchdowns and and passing yards last yeah, year, I believe? he didn't win MVP out of – I mean, he beat Rodgers in almost every category. I mean, he didn't have – he threw more interceptions, but my God. But Rodgers was on drugs, and that gets you an yeah, MVP, did, apparently. How did yeah. Aaron Rodgers win the MVP last year? That was, That's what I want to know. That was pretty – Outlandish. Wait, what? Who voted for that? Who? Who said? Yep, Aaron Rodgers should win MVP. Like, so certainly wasn't us. No. What? I mean, you. It makes it's like when LeBron didn't win MVP with against James Harden in twenty seventeen. At least with LeBron, they didn't vote him just because they wanted to shake it up a bit. But with with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he won the previous years. So you're not even shaking anything up. You're just being boring. Yeah, I, I so. just don't understand how he was a better quarterback than Brady last year. Is he keeps gunning for it this year though? I'm sure. Who? Aaron Rodgers? Brady. Oh, Brady. Brady. Yeah. yeah, Brady better yeah. win it. Definitely. I mean, especially after all this going down. I mean, who would y'all say are leading right now with the Heisman? I mean, four weeks in. The, is, it, is it Brady? The MVP, no, wait, you mean Heisman? Yeah, the MVP. Heisman. MVP. Mm, yeah, I'd probably give a little bit of edge to Brady, yeah. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> probably not currently since they're two and two, right? Yeah, two and two. Yeah. They're they're gonna give the they're gonna give it to either Jalen Hurts, as of right now, Hurts, probably Mahomes, Josh Allen's up there. I know Lamar Jackson's high on the list, but I'd personally would go to Lamar. He's been playing. If, if good. I had to pick right now, because I mean that, that's that's MVP. Mo- if you take a player out of the team, how detrimental does that hurt the team? If you re- remove Lamar, I feel like they're bottom five offense in the league right now. Besides Mark Andrews and, and Rashad Bateman, who's like their only receiver, who are they really looking towards? I don't know. And I don't consider to be you know, you know, holds a lot of firepower. If I'm going to be honest, I've said this before, mm-hmm. and you guys can. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but personally, if you had me start a football team, yeah, I would I would pick Jimmy Garoppolo over oh. Lamar Jackson. I don't know about that one. Because when you look at it, Jimmy Garoppolo wins. He wins football games. Lamar Jackson doesn't. He doesn't win. He hasn't done he has no playoff wins. He ha- or big time playoff wins. He has nothing you can put to his name other than his MVP. That would say, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I, but Lamar hasn't done any. He's two and two right now, and you can argue that Lamar's been playing at a high level, but they were up twenty to three and they lost, right against that, the Bills. That I chalk up to just fate at that point. That game was just too. I chalk that up to Lamar not scoring points once they were up twenty to three. That's a good point. Yeah, that you can put that on the defense all you want, but it was twenty to three, and yes, they let them score points, but your offense wasn't scoring either. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of on Lamar. 
I don't know if I'd put him over Jimmy Garoppolo, who, you know, he lost his job to, like, the light version of Patrick, or Patrick, to Lamar Jackson earlier this season. And was, yeah, besides a Dak Prescott ankle-style injury, Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't be starting currently. Do you think Trey Lance ha- beats the Rams last last two week, two nights ago? or Probably whatever? not, but also the, J- Trey Lance is an experiment for them. They were hoping to develop him over the season to eventually be that caliber, whereas Jimmy Garoppolo, it's like, oh, he got hurt. Just, just hop back in and do what you've been doing, which the offense was, I mean – they already had most of that offense situated for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, they changed it up for Trey Lance, but they just kind of turned a few pages back in the playbook and like, all right, here's what Jimmy Garoppolo said. Just go do what I tell you to, and uh, and just and just sling the ball around and nothing, no, no big plays. Just 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 throw it for like five yards average a pass, and, and that's we'll, all we'll be successful. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo. Hey, how many Super Bowls has Lamar been to? Zero. How many has Jimmy Garoppolo been to? One. Yeah, and did he go? Well, well, did like he go three. to the NFC Championship last year as well? He did. Yeah, exactly. He's he's do he's winning. He gets to the playoffs and he's winning. I'd Lamar say, Jackson has a had a fourteen and two team and he lost in the first game in Jimmy the playoffs. Jimmy Garoppolo's an anomaly, man. I can't explain it. He's like a like the Kirk Cousins version of Kirk Cousins. He's no, but he Jimmy Garoppolo wins. That's that's like everyone overlooks that the fu- the fact that the guy when he gets to the I'd playoffs, say the, I'd he say wins. the 49ers win. They win the football games, not Jimmy G. I mean, he he helps. Don't get me wrong, but the 49ers win. They're a team. They're going to win the whole thing. Are you going to say the same thing when Brady was with New England? That people people are probably saying, oh, no, it's not Brady winning. It's New England winning. But they're not winning anymore without Brady. I mean, I feel like you, you have the examples of a quarterback leading a team to victory and a quarterback just, you know, helping a team to victory almost. And I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo was helping that team. He was certainly not doing things to hurt the team, but he's not doing things to excel them past the point of what they're capable of. You know, that game in Green Bay in the snow or whatever that was, that playoff game, I put I give Robbie Gold the, the edge to help win that game more than, I more mean, than Jimmy G. You did. could say that. I guess you could say that. But at the end of the day, you know, he gets to the, he gets his team to the playoffs and he wins. He does he does what he needs to do to win the football game. And that's Very what true. matters. I don't need Lamar to go out there and, and run for hundred and fifty yards and for us to lose the game. Mm-hmm. What does that do for me? You Fair. Know? Yeah. Like Yes, you're flashy and you're super athletic, but you're not winning the football games. I mean, what are they two and two right now? Or yes, one and three. It's pr- two and two. two. And two. They're, they're definitely not okay. one and three. But they're yeah. two and two, and I think I want to see. Say I saw a stat today that mm-hmm. they've they've not led a game for games for a total of fourteen seconds this year. They've not led, right? The 49ers or the the Ravens. The Ravens. So they've they've trailed for less than fourteen seconds this yes. whole season. Right, I, I, I'm assuming they've lost on two game-winning plays. I, I can't. What was their most yeah, recent? Because the Dolphins, the, the Dolphins was the like last end, minute, yeah. and then the Bills, right? Yes, yes, the yes. yes. No, it was the Bills. They won on a field goal. Correct. So yeah, hey, you're pretty successful for 99.9 percent of the time. I'd say you're a pretty good quarterback. I blame <laughs> the defense at that point, which I think is doesn't it, don't the Ravens like bottom five defense in the league currently? No, they're if garbage. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. yeah, they're garbage. They're not playing, which is weird because they have so much talent on their defense. Don't they have what Marlon Humphrey, Calais Campbell, Patrick Queen, guys like that? Oh no, they have some oh. some leaders on their defense, but I I blame coaching. Yeah, Give I, him Dan Quinn. To me, I, I think I think it is coaching. I think it's coaching on the offensive side of the ball too when it's coming down to grind time, prime time. And yeah, I mean, not. You have a twenty. You have a twenty point lead, mm-hmm. seventeen, whatever. I know they had like a twenty one point lead on the Dolphins and a seventeen against the the Bills. That's coaching. That's the Mike McCarthy yeah. treatment. In I guess you could chalk that up to coaching, but you know, at the end of the day, it you know, is. You gotta you gotta win, and that's that's what it comes down to. I agree, but they, I mean, it's it's got to be coaching if it's 
once you've been in the NFL for five years, you're basically coaching, and you've been start. You're basically know how to coach yourself. Yeah, I understand that, but I mean, like Todd Bowles, yeah, he's coaching <laughs> Tampa Bay, but Tom Brady runs that offense. That's, we we know that. Yeah, no. I we know what team plays on Sunday Night Football this past this upcoming week. Who? The Ravens against Joe Burr and the Bengals, and we'll see if the same thing happens to them this week. Who knows? I mean, Bur- the Bengals are are hot again. So, well, it's luckily one of our game picks. I, I can't wait. I mean, you know who I'm picking. I'll go ahead and pick it right now. Bengals. Well, well we can get into this right now. Um, we'll start off, you know, recap uh, last week. Uh, four and one for me and Liam. Two and three, sadly, for Chris. Um, this, this leads the standings. Liam still leads the way at 12 and eight overall. Uh, myself, Hayden, 11 and nine. Chris is following the back four and or a four. Not that bad yet, Chris, but uh, eight and 12 <laughs> in third place. We got uh, we got five more more uh, more games to pick this week. And I'll start it off with, uh, I'll start with Chris this week, you know, trailing behind. Actually, is is the is is a handy, would would a handicap be for him to pick last? I think I've picked like every week first, and I'm okay if you want to do that again. I mean, you're leading. Do you want to? Yeah, that's maybe fine. maybe that's the way it should be. The leader picks first because yeah, that's like let's the, do that. Give it to that's me. That's like the the restraint for him. So. Yeah. Hit me with the first one. Seahawks visiting the Saints this week. Geno Smith was, I think, the number one fantasy quarterback, and kind of blew the blew the what you know blew the lines out of the water this past weekend in a, in a showdown between Jared Goff and Geno Smith who would have guessed that'd be the most electric game of the week but not Liam he's looking to go into New Orleans and uh and repeat that who's winning this one man uh give me Nola uh and with one of my bold predictions uh Chris Olave offensive rookie of the year mm. um I'm saying he has a big game against the Seahawks defense give me the I mean I'll take the Saints I think uh Jam- Jameis is coming back right uh, that's a great question. I believe he's coming. I think it was only going to be one game. Michael Thomas should be coming back as well. So as long as they're all returning, the whole offense is, then I think Saints win pretty handily. Even if not, I'm still okay with yeah. the Saints. As of three hours ago, the report came out that he didn't practice today. So you kind of got to wait till like Thursday, really. That's like when like yeah. if he's not practicing Thursday, he's probably not going to play. But um, yeah, and like Liam said, even with Andy Dalton, I think they'll still get the win. So. Yeah, yeah. In New Orleans, this is this is tough. I'm going to ride with Geno Smith on that wave. I mean, Seattle's defense sucks, but I don't know. I'll make a little bold one here and and hope that the Seahawks continue to fly. Um, Dolphins at Jets, Liam. We're just looking to see where Hayden went because <laughs> I don't know who would make that pick. But hey, it could work out. I mean, if Tua was in this game, this wouldn't be a game pick this week. But uh, so there's only that's the only reason this one's even exciting. Yeah, and for that reason, give me give me Zach Wilson give and some Zach gritty Wilson. action, baby. I mean, it's being at New York. I think they got a little bit of spunk to that team this year, and I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, I like me the Jets this week. Um, Zach Wilson, I think he's only going to get better as he plays more, obviously. Garrett Wilson and uh, Elijah Moore have been a very good duo so far. Corey as, Davis is on that team, and, too. Yeah, Corey can't Davis ever, has been playing good. He's been scoring touchdowns. Him. Yes, you're correct. So that, that's a triple threat they got there. And they have a great running back duo in Michael Carter and uh, Brees Hall. Hall. Yep. Yep. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think they're a great team. I think uh, the coaching – has done a good job so far. So, yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna ride with the Jets. I'm going to go with the upset as well in New York. Give me the Jets as well. I like Brees Hall. I like the way they've been running. And Zach Wilson back uh, doing the gritty in the end zone last weekend. Hopefully he continues that. And uh, I like the move with the Dolphins. And, you know, hopefully the Dolphins don't completely fall down a cliff after this Tua injury. But give me the Jets in this one. Liam, Cowboys visiting the Rams. Uh, not Sunday night football, but it's a, it's a Thursday night Fox game. Uh, probably their game of the week, I'm assuming. Who are you picking in this one? Diggs versus Ramsey. And uh, Cooper Cup versus CeeDee Lamb. And, I mean, who would have thought Cooper Rush versus Matthew Stafford as the, as the key matchups here? Who are you picking? Uh, 
man, this is not something I would have thought my my brain would have gone to, but mm-hmm. my gut instinct is to pick the Cowboys. I, I like it. I I know you do. I I, <laughs> I don't. This is very unlike me, but I'm gonna go with the boys. If you told me a, a rookie or rookie, um, a backup quarterback was going into SoFi Stadium to face Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and the defending Super Bowl Rams, and that I even had a tickle in my brain that they were going to win this game, you would have called me crazy. But they're the Cowboys. He's 4-0 as a starter, and I'm sure the NFL would just love a quarterback controversy debate to go even further than it already has. So give me the Cowboys to win as well. Put the pressure on Chris here. He needs Mr. to make yeah, up some Mr. games Brady against Boy, us. What you got? Well, I got to make up some ground. Let's be honest. Ground has to be made up. This is a long season. This, I understand this is a pretty, that. I, I we get pick that. all the way through February. I get This that. is a pretty good game to make up ground, though, because, I mean, like the reason I just said, there's there's reason for doubt in our heads. I think the Rams, they looked bad last week, but they always look bad against San Francisco. For some reason, good point. they can't get over the San Francisco hump in the regular season, at Fair. least. But, mm-hmm. hey, even in the playoffs, it was only a three-point win. Yep. So, they struggle against San Fran. San Fran seems to have their number. I think they bounce back with a good win. I think there's Matthew Stafford is going to play better. I don't think any, it's possible to cover Cooper Cup. I think he's just going to always have at least 12 receptions for over 100, around 100 yards and whatever. He's always going to have a crazy type of fantasy performance. So I think uh, Stafford bounces back. The defense steps it up a little bit. Uh, so I think the Rams are going to get the win at home. And the real question is over under 40% of that stadium is filled with Cowboys fans. Uh, give me the under, but only by like about two and a half. I'll give you the over. I'll say it. I'd say it's 50-50. Give me about 37.5. You underestimate Southern California and the Dallas Cowboy influence. I don't underestimate Southern California. I've been there. It's a crazy place to be. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, week uh, Game four, Eagles at Cardinals. I really put put this one in there because I couldn't find anything better that I had confidence in being a good game. But the Cardinals have been decent on the offensive side of the ball most of these weeks, um, especially after their, their couple slow weeks starting the season, and after that comeback against the Raiders, they found their footing. Had a dominant win against the Panthers last weekend. Yes, they're the Panthers, but at least gives them a little bit of momentum. They're at home in uh, Scottsdale, and uh, the undefeated Eagles are coming in. they got to lose at some point, and we've said they've been a little iffy, and this is a uh, pretty good test for the Eagles. Liam, who, who are you rolling with? Um, I, I don't have any good vibes at all about the Cardinals this season for some reason, which I think that's you know kind of a common theme Fair. Uh, amongst you know social media and whatnot. So I'm going to go with the Eagles, but I think the Cardinals make it a respectable game. Yeah, this is a very tough one to pick because you don't know if the Cardinals are going to play to their full potential each week, and they could, and they could blow out the Eagles, honestly. Oh, yeah. With the talent they have, they could definitely blow them out. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think they're, like Liam said, they're not really putting off good vibes as a team. Not really seeing much chemistry there. Kyler Murray seems to be you know, not playing at the highest level, and they still don't have DeAndre Hopkins, right? He's not coming back this week. Not yet, nope. no. Okay, so yeah, I'll I'll take the uh, the Eagles one in this one. I I mean, as much as I would love for the Eagles to lose this game, um, I'm gonna pick the Eagles in this one simply because I want them to be undefeated when we go into their their Philly stadium next next week and ruin their undefeated season. So I will pick the Eagles simply because I want to ruin their day even more when we beat them eventually. So, go Eagles, go. Bengals fly at Ravens. Eagles. Whoa, fly, Eagles. Fly. Should, oh, I screwed say. that one up. Thank you for catching that one. Uh, well, I'm just saying, if Charlie was here, heaven forbid. <laughs> Knife to my throat. I, I'm not going that far, but there might be a Those Eagles fans are ruthless raised. now. Yes. yes. <laughs> fly, Eagles, fly. I had it in my head. I had I had the, the words, not the words right, but the, I yeah. don't know. You know I what got, I mean? I syntax got, I, right. Yes. Go, correct. Eagles, go, baby. Sunday Night Football. <laughs> that should be the title of the episode. Um, Sunday Night Football. Bengals at Ravens. 
Chris man. has already picked the Ravens. He's already pointed. No, 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 no. He picked oh. the Bengals. Bengals, Bengals, yeah. Bengals, Joe Burr, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Oh. Good luck stopping that. Joe Mixon, the best safety duo arguably in the NFL. Give me the Bengals. Man, oh man, I am very conflicted. I love both of these quarterbacks. Um, they are both very, very fun to watch. <laughs> Give me the Ravens. I don't know. Ed, Edgar Allan Poe vibes here. You know, quote the Raven nevermore. Yes, I yeah. mean it's it's going to be. I think it's going to be kind of a brazy game. I think this, I think this is going to be. You like to think this is going to be a high scoring game, but this is the NFC North, the Sunday night football game, prime time. It's, I think it's, it's just going to be chaotic. I think I think that's where I was leaning for the, leaning towards this one. It's going to be a little rowdy, probably some bad calls, probably some ugly plays, and uh, give me the Bengals to win it. Uh, Joe Burrow, just kinda, you know, got to step up that hump and. Uh, we just kind of dogged on the Ravens a little bit recently, so I'll, Which this, I'll continue on that. This this division is always wild to watch, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think it's probably my favorite division. I mean, now to you watch got you got Deshaun watching joining the party in Week Eleven, and you got Kenny Pickett joining the party now. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a pretty. You can only get more juicy. It's always a crazy scene up there in the AFC North. Wait, did the Jets beat Steelers last week, or was it the other way around? No, the Jets. The Jets won. won. Yeah, yeah. And Kenny Pickett had what three picks? No. I think he had three mm. interceptions. After he came in for Mitchell? Yeah. I didn't watch this game. So the Steelers had four interceptions out. in that game. Uh, Jets, let's see here. Yeah, 10 of 13, for, but his three. Three incompletions were picks. Yep. <laughs> I, I did see that stat. Yeah, he didn't throw a, a single one of his passes. Never hit the dirt. Yep. Just a couple went into the, the Jets. So, the I mean, Jets he, hands, he completed every pass. He's pretty accurate. Three to the other team. Yeah. 100% completion percentage. Yes, correct. Technically, yes. Um. I mean, I mean, Mitch only got benched after one interception. So I don't know what's up with that. But yeah. Uh, I don't know. Who's to know? Yeah, everyone's, like, saying Kenny Pickett's going to be, like, Big Ben because Big Ben's first game, he had two touchdowns and two interceptions. So I think it's a, there's a little difference there. At least he got two in the end zone. But yeah. yeah. I don't know. But we'll go into a break here. Good luck to you guys on Game Picks, and we'll, we'll see what happens this next week. Liam and I got motorsports coming up after this, so stay with us after the song. Remember to follow us on our podcasting network. We are available on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and much more. So check us out there. That is Off the Bench on all major podcasting platforms. Listen to all episodes from all four seasons of Off the Bench there. Again, that is Off the Bench on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Listen to one more song, and we'll be right back with some motorsports updates. And we are back here on Off the Bench. My name is Hayden Joyner, joined with Liam Worley for this final segment, Motorsports, checking out the hot topics in NASCAR and F1 this past weekend. Liam, we were in Talladega for the Yellowwood 500, and uh, and your boy Chase Elliott took home the victory on a pretty exciting last couple laps, I'd say. Absolute menace. They went uh, they went green, then they had the white, and then they had the checkered. And Chase restarted uh, fifth, third car on the bottom, and uh, coming out of two, he was able to clear Eric Jones and Ross Chastain up top, and... I uh, get bump drafted to the win, which was awesome. I've never cheered harder in a race for sure. Maybe never in a sporting event besides maybe a few Auburn games. So uh, this was really huge. I think he was in a bad uh, place points-wise mm-hmm. uh, before the start of the day, and then he won a stage, finished third in another stage, and then obviously won the race and came out really good points-wise. But, you know, it's the win and you're in format still. So uh, he got into the round of eight. Allows him to drive freely this week at the Roval, which I expect him to finish no worse than first. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm very, very excited about that. But it was uh, 
it was a tame Talladega race. There was, mm -hmm. you know, maybe two or three cautions for cause. No big one. No, no big one at all. I mean, you had Corey LaJoy have some sort of malfunction in his car, and he absolutely tore down the wall. And then you had like a three-car incident, you know, maybe somewhere in stage two, and that was about it. And But I've heard a lot of kind of different things. Like, I thought this was a really great Talladega race. But a lot of people within the industry think that it wasn't good because you weren't really able to pass. And mm. there was no third line being formed, which is not not something that you want to see at plate racing. You want to see a third line get mm -hmm. formed, especially late in the race when everybody's going for broke. But you didn't get to see this. And, I mean, that was kind of sad, but it was still really good racing all day, I thought. And uh, the Xfinity race, no car wrecked out. That's crazy. At a, at Talladega. For Super Speedway, that's crazy. Yeah. It's only the third time in series history it's happened, and definitely the first time in any NASCAR-sanctioned event at a Super Speedway like that. Yeah, well, Chase Elliott now leads the playoff standings. Technically, yes, however you want to describe leading in the NASCAR playoff system. Well, he won, so he's guaranteed to go to the next round, and he's the only person right now that is that got got that he, he was the first winner of any playoff team in the playoffs yeah any playoff driver in the yeah playoffs, that's correct? currently in i mean you had tyler reddick win last week but he got eliminated first round so it's kind mm -hmm. of nolan void yeah yeah um heading off to the roval next week it's a race i was at last year so it'll be fun to watch this one um from the tv this time alex bowman's at the miss it after yeah. uh, after the wreck in texas yeah. second straight week and yeah. uh, noah gregson's taking over the 40 yeah that's sad i don't like to see that which you know that only allows you know really 11 drivers for eight spots now which you know you got byron and bell who are 11th and 10th right now and you mm -hmm. would expect them to be you know mid-pack fourth fifth sixth somewhere in there because they've been really consistent all year long but right now you got Daniel Suarez and Cindric advancing over Briscoe, Byron, and Bell. I expect, I definitely expect to see some shakeup, which, although, I mean, the track house cars have been really good mm -hmm. at road courses this year. Austin Cindric's a great road course racer. Briscoe's shown speed at road courses. And so have Bell and Byron. So I think it's going to be a really, really interesting race how uh, these teams are going to split strategy on stages and stuff, whether they go for points or they're going to go for the win which byron and bell have to win to get in is so it, this is the last race of round of 12 it correct? is yeah okay so so, they, so byron and bell have to win to make it to the next round mm -hmm. they can't win off points alone no uh well byron could get in on points but bell is like 33 out mm -hmm. and making up 33 points in a race on the cut lines just very, not something that's very fathomable so be very very lucky for yeah. that to happen yeah you will so i'm uh i'm expecting some big things i mean you got lots of open wheel influence in both the xfinity and uh uh, cup races this week mm -hmm. and obvious AJ Allmendinger uh, who just announced he's going cup racing full-time next year there you go. is this probably his last start and uh in cup this year uh with college racing so I expect him to finish second or third have a really good showing for them uh prediction here top three this week yeah uh Chase Elliott one give me I'm gonna go AJ Allmendinger two and mm -hmm. then Tyler Reddick three very bold I like it um, I mean, for Chris's sake, I know he's over here listening. What's our, what's our, our weekly Bubba Wallace update? Bubba Wallace has been putting some very, very quality content out on Instagram lately. He's been enjoying <laughs> he has. it a lot. I'll give it to him. He's yeah, been, what, what are we talking about? Are we talking about Valtteri Bottas kind of content or memes or what are we thinking here? I mean, it's some memery yeah. for sure, but it's not Valtteri, you know, making his own memes. This is Bubba incorporating memes into his posts. Yeah. I mean, Bubba, he's, he's pushing so much pee. It's not even funny. I mean, <laughs> Makes really you love is. him even more, right? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, I mean, of course. he's hilarious. That's why I've been 
liking him, you know, here recently, I guess. I mean, I don't really watch, I don't watch him race, <laughs> so I can't say I like him as a racer, but I think he's you funny. just follow him on Instagram and Twitter? Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> see the stuff he puts up. And he's got, like, cool cars that he'll he'll use, so. Definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, by no means am I like, oh, I follow and watch every race he does. No, mm-hmm. I don't, but I just think he's funny, so. Thank you, Chris, for the daily or weekly uh, Bo Wallace update. Yes, not, sir. Not uh, going to win, but we, we appreciate his content. He wins on social media, wins in our hearts. Yes. As always. Uh, Liam, jumping to, to East Asia, Singapore Grand Prix for Formula One this past weekend. Sergio Perez won it. Yeah. Surprise, surprise there, jumping Charles Leclerc off the start. How'd you how'd you feel on this one? I didn't. I watched the highlight video, which was pathetic. That's probably what I should. It was a long race. Yeah, it, it, and the highlight video was short because there wasn't a whole the, lot yeah, going on. Yeah. As, you know, I thought this was a relatively boring race. I'm not going to say that it was tame because mm-hmm. I don't think tame and boring are the same thing. But, yeah. you know, once drivers were kind of comfortable in their cars you could there wasn't a whole lot of passing going on and it was just maintaining and for Checo he had to he had to actually open up a gap because he had a penalty which yeah. I'm not too sure about so I'll let you elaborate on that here in a minute but you know there's a few drivers making mistakes running into walls but that wasn't necessarily race ending as we saw with Lewis Hamilton but uh I mean, you know, you would have thought Max would have made up more ground than he did especially in the wet but I think the wet ended up making this kind of the race that it became it almost made it more boring which yeah. is something that's rarely said but i mean on a track that's already hard to overtake on in the first place the rain just kind of made it and it made it to where you, you didn't want to risk it yeah. it wasn't a full wet race in, in the fact where you know the track was wet the whole time it was a drying track throughout the race which meant if you're going offline you're taking a huge risk by getting your tires cool yeah. and there and, wasn't know, running in the water there wasn't much varying strategy either which mm-hmm. usually is something we see happen when the track goes through a transition like that and this week for some odd reason it wasn't the case the main reason is because there is a safety car or virtual safety car about every 10 laps it seemed for the first half of the race and then you know obviously you, you saw like i think two or three happened before the pit stop phase where it was like well will these will the drivers risk a slick tire will the drivers risk an early pit stop and george russell was the only one to bite him being down in the back of the pack due to a bad qualifying and engine, engine penalty but around, I think, I think it was the fourth virtual safety car. Um, that's when you saw everybody kind of take tires and really didn't shake up the field too much besides for the McLarens who jumped to fourth and fifth um, during those pit stops. because they benefited. very happy for both of them. Very happy for Lando and, and Ricardo who yeah, had a much needed, needs fi- it, man. much needed fifth place after what's been going on with him recently with the whole driver market stuff. Um, good for them. They jumped to fourth and fifth, which is their finishing position. And then after that, you had the Snowda wreck. You had the Hamilton incident when everyone was on slick tires and I mean, really, truly a shocking race for Max and Lewis, both. I mean, and George, if you want to throw in the other Mercedes in there. Uh, three guys who should arguably be in the top six. And, you know, Max got dropped down in the field in qualifying due to a running out of gas, basically. Which was nonsense. Which That's on, that's on Red Bull. Nothing yeah. Max could do about no. that one. And it really screwed his race because he couldn't pass. He got into a little incident with Kevin Magnuson at the beginning of the race that... Yeah, he was able to get, like, three positions, and then he'd stall out. Exactly. He'd jump up, and then once you kind of spread the field up, there's no passing. Once dry tires came on and during the virtual safety car periods, he did manage to get up to, I think it was fifth, before uh, having a big lunge on Lando Norris, blowing his tires up practically and having yep. to pit, and that ruined his race, uh, basically. And it, I mean, on the looking at, like, basically – you know, the race results, it looked like he only gave one position, had like a Monaco-like race, but yeah. I mean, truly, he probably passed 20 cars this race. It was just a matter of ups and downs. Yeah, which is usually how it goes with him. It's either all or nothing, and this week was closer to the nothing. Yeah, I mean, without that lockup of trying to pass Lando Norris, he had a shot of winning the race. I mean, truly. I mean, you're in a safety car period. He's only, I mean, he's in fifth place, looking to go down into fourth place, only had two, having 
two Ferraris and a Red Bull ahead of him. I mean, he's only five seconds away from the leader because of the safety car. Well, uh, yeah, that and yeah, DRS wasn't enabled for what the whole race or just no, most it of was it? a few laps after the Lando Norris okay. Max incident. It did yeah. get enabled, so he would have had the the shots to pass. I yeah, mean, he would have gone past the Ferraris. I mean, Leclerc couldn't even get past Perez with about five attempts at DRS. So. I don't, I don't know that he would have been able to get past uh, Leclerc. I, I mean, the way he's been running the past. Two months, I was I oh, was Versace. I was shaking. He's in my been boots on rails, man. He's been he on gonna, rails. He was just gonna yeah. fly past us, and it was gonna be another Max win. Yeah, but I don't know. This prolongs the championship another week at least. Yeah, sadly, next week in Japan, which we're returning to Japan, that's I'm excited to see Suzuka in action again. Yeah, but all he has to do is win and take the fastest lap, and he's guaranteed a victory. He has to just outscore. He has to outscore Leclerc by eight and Perez by six, I believe, to secure the championship. And a first place and fastest lap would be an eight point. Uh, victory over Leclerc, even yeah. if he gets second. So that's all it takes. Who knows if Mercedes or, or Ferrari are going to try to steal that fastest lap point with the late pit stop just to, you know, for giggles. I don't know if they're going to want to gonna pull that. Maybe Merck just because they're always mad at them, but uh, uh, that'd be uh, funny. I wouldn't put it past Toto Wolf. Yeah, but as for Singapore, Perez gets a much-deserved win despite the penalty, which he gained um, during the safety car period a couple times where he didn't keep he didn't keep within 10 car lakes of it. So okay. he, he didn't he wasn't forcibly doing it but he was technically backing the field up for personal gain which yeah. is a rule that you're not supposed to do that and i don't think he he meant for it but that's what he did there's arguments that it would have been two five second penalties because it occurred on multiple occasions but it was only a five second penalty he beat leclerc with seven and a half seconds i believe so he kept the win yeah but definitely the big argument there was like that could have been decided during the race and then leclerc would have known a five second gap he probably would have backed off a little bit instead of pushing so hard he broke his tires and that's what caused the seven second gap in the first place which we're seeing this in like a lot of forms of motorsport exactly. where they're waiting like till the week and you know arguing the outcome of these races which is yeah terrible i mean all you gotta do to determine length from pits length from the from the safety car is one the cars probably have telemetry on them you could tell that instantly definitely or pull out your iphone and use an ar ruler and just do it on the track it's yeah. not that hard to figure out but they obviously took like five hours post race not five hours like two and a half hours post race took like 30 minutes within the race to even figure this one out so Bad on UFIA. We could have had an exciting race where Leclerc won by default, but that doesn't happen, obviously. But yeah. I don't know. Anything else that happened in this race? I mean, Mick Schumacher and George Russell had an incident late in the race on lap 40 where, where Russell kind of turned into the right side of the track where Mick already was, banged wheels, caused a puncture on Russell, which which ruined the race, and slight damage to Mick ruined the race for him where he finished uh, he finished 13th, I believe. And Russell came out like a day later saying that he left plenty of space for Mick and that he should have just yielded, but uh, that's not how racing works. No. Uh, I think uh, this is something we've seen time and time again with George, and uh, I think he needs to, I think he needs to grow into his britches or go yeah. down a couple sizes in britches. Yeah. Cause I think the ego's a little too high for him. Oh, it is. I mean, which you know, you're a British driver, which people just lose their minds for in the first <laughs> place. But he also drives for Mercedes, so you know, it's kind of he's got a lot of people behind him, and he's trying to, I don't know. Get, have some sort of reputation amongst both fans and the drivers, which I don't think is something he necessarily needs to do right now. I don't know if it's just because he started F1 for three years and Mercedes shadow and saw, you know, blue flags. I mean, he got blue flags from Mercedes probably over a hundred times in his career so far. And so he expects, you know, a Haas to just yield to a Mercedes, but Hey, you're in like slightly half wet, half dry conditions and going for like 10th. Yeah. Yeah. And the Haas isn't a tractor anymore. And George Russell, you've not driven the best today. Maybe let Mick, who's fighting for his, his F1 future, try to defend for you and not yeah. just yield to you. And yeah. I don't know. I, I, it makes me kind of dislike him. I, I had a 
I liked Russell in his first couple of years. I thought it was a good underdog story trying to, you know, he had some fantastic qualifying Definitely. appearances, you know, P2 in Belgium last year. And this year it's kind of, he's kind of being a little arrogant, I'd say. So, I yeah, know. he needs to. Not really a Russell fan at the moment. No, he needs to chill down, man. I think he's probably losing fans across the world, except for maybe Great Britain. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't think that's going to be good for his overall, you know, uh, career in Formula One if he keeps up this sort of attitude. Exactly. So we'll see. Well, next race is at Suzuka in J- the Japanese Grand Prix. If you want to watch it, Liam, we have to stay up till 1 a.m. So uh, it's not too late, but I'll definitely be awake. For going into Monday or Saturday? Satur- Saturday, well, technically Sunday morning, but Saturday okay. night for people who are reasonable with their timekeeping. We'll see what I can do. It's it's the previous day until I go to sleep. If it's 3 a.m., okay. that's still Saturday. Yeah. You well, know, until I sleep. <laughs> Then it's not the next day. That's how my mind works. And so this is technically Saturday night. It's not Sunday That's morning. fair. I'll give it to you. Yeah, and yeah. I'll, I'll be up. I'll be up till 3.30 to watch that race, probably see LeClaire crash out and see Max be crowned champion. So it'll be a fun night with a, with a lot of tears probably, but it's okay. It's okay. That's how racing works, man. I'll wake up the next morning and celebrate a Chase Elliott Roval victory for you. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us here on Off the Bench. Uh, Liam, Chris, thank you for, for being on as always. Uh, hopefully... Hopefully the game picks work themselves out this se- this week, and Chris can catch back up to me and Liam who before we pull away from this whole thing. I'm not cheering for that. <laughs> You're not cheering for the interest of the fans trying to keep track? No, man. I like blowouts when it's like Auburn or Chase Elliott. I mean, I right now it's me, baby. I want that. You want to – I mean – you're, you're begging for victories at this point. Nah, it's all right. I'd like to see a little competition. A little competition. But good luck to y'all both. Uh, remember to follow us on Instagram at OffTheBenchXLR. Um, you can find quotes, video clips. I muted my mic. You can find clips, video cli- uh, clips, quotes, and more on the Instagrams. Just check us uh, check us out there again. That is at OffTheBenchXLR on Instagram. Follow us on our podcasting network. Uh, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can listen. Again, that is Off The Bench on all major podcasting platforms. Guys, it's been uh, it's been a great show, and uh, and looking forward to the next one. Remember Wednesdays six to eight as always, and remember to stay in the game and off the bench, and have a good night.